podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. Uh, before I even get into who our guest is today, I'm going to give you a few hints in the beginning. He works at my favorite resort in the world, uh, probably my favorite collection of golf courses in the world. And for most people that listen to this podcast, they know what that is already, but we'll let him tell you in a second. Um, quite arguably, some of the greatest golf courses, not only in the U.S., but in the world. Uh, he's a man that is, you know, really dialed into digital media. A lot of the things that you read about Pinehurst, uh, whether it be on their Facebook page or Instagram come from his mind and he has a hand in, in all those. And I think I gave it away by saying Pinehurst. So I'll introduce right now, Mr. <laughs> Alex Podligar. Alex, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate being here and love seeing the backdrop behind you. So you've got you've got four of the, I guess, 10 courses right now. They're sitting there on flags behind you. Um, if we want to include the cradle as a 10th course, which we can and we can get into later, I'm sure. But, a, you know, a 10th, 18, 18 whole course coming to Piners. But thanks for having me. Love that. Love that you're able to come back when you're able to here. And it's always good to see you. And so it's good to see you even through the screen as well. So uh, just uh, we're looking forward to having you back for sure. Well, I can I can tell you already, we've already booked our Thanksgiving trip uh, this year already. You know, the, the place is already booked. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll be contacting you again. And, and I guess in, in full disclosure, um, and people know listening to this podcast and following the Instagram account, Alex has taken just beyond good care of myself, my boys, my family. Uh, and literally, I can't thank you enough for the experiences that you've bestowed upon us already. I, literally, once in a lifetime experience. I, I tell people sometimes what I've done there, and they're like, "Man, I've been, I've been thinking about going, or I've heard that's just amazing." Um, and it is. So, I guess before we get into all that stuff, um, what is your official job title <laughs> at Pinehurst Resort? So the, the title itself is uh, Senior Media Relations Manager. So for the most part, most of my kind of day-to-day is, you know, kind of working with media, uh, fulfilling media requests, working on media visits, things like that, um, photography, uh, or getting, you know, getting photo and digital assets to, to media, reaching out, that all that kind of stuff. Um, at the same time, I still do because I, I guess I'm just a sucker for it. I can't give it up. I still handle the Twitter handle here at Pinehurst Resort. So that's still me, uh, that that sarcasm that that drips through the Twitter feed, if you follow us, does come directly from me. But um, And then uh, you mentioned Instagram. Instagram's run by our videographer, kind of our digital storyteller, Matt Gibson. So any video you see from us, especially over the last year and a half or so, is a direct result of Matt's unbelievable talent um, and his eye for for stories and for photography as well. So a lot of that, those photos and images that you've seen on Instagram, like I said, the last 18 months or so, um, come directly from Matt and just uber talented and just has a, such a great feel for this place as well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we're really, I mean, yeah, there, there are titles and that sort of thing. And you mentioned it, like a lot of what we write, if you see a news release from us, it comes from, you know, my office kind of thing. But really what we try to do is, 
um, basically tell stories. And we, we really feel like that it really our title is pretty much as storytellers and kind of trying to relate the experience of what Pinehurst is, um, its history, its legacy, but also its evolution and what we can be kind of going forward. And something cool seems to happen here almost every day. Um, we have a lot on the calendar coming up as a U.S. Open Anchor site for sure and looking ahead to 2024 already. But, you know, it's not just that. It's a lot of what kind of happens here every day. And you mentioned it. So many people, you know, whether, whether they've been able to come to Pinehurst or, or not or, or are hoping to, but there are a lot of people who have come and are, are fortunate, um, you know, like yourself to come back again and again. And so we like to just kind of keep that conversation going. And that's a lot of what we we try to do online, especially on on social or like you mentioned, we're Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's all at Pinehurst Resort kind of thing. And that's that's kind of our, our feel. We just kind of want to help share the cradle of American golf with everyone. One of the things that always sticks out to me about Pinehurst, and I feel like you guys were one of the first in the U.S. to do it, is you really made a true concerted effort to be out there in the digital <laughs> realm. I feel a lot earlier than some other courses, and you mentioned it too, about the stories that happen every day. My first time there under you know the Leave the Pin banner um, was, on, was actually, I think, my fifth time at the resort. But I was noticed, me, like a nobody, I was noticed <laughs> around the resort. People said, hey, I saw your Instagram story. I saw you were playing number two yesterday. I saw you at the cradle. And you get these little everyday conversations that start up between people that would never know each other, you know, and it weaves itself into the history of Pinehurst Resort. So my question based off of all that, how do you guys find the balance? What's the right balance between the historical aspect of Pinehurst, which we know is deeply embedded in the historical game of professional golf? And then how do you balance that between kind of the everyday mundane golfer that's out there and still telling their stories? Well, I mean, I think that's what's so cool and unique about Pinehurst. I mean, you can walk through our clubhouse and you can stop at the, you know, there's the large board of the North and South Amateur and look at every champion there from 1901 to last year. And on that, you know, and on that board is Francis we met, there's Jack Nicholas, there's, you know, there's Curtis Strange. I mean, there's a little bit of every era of golf is is reflected there. You can turn around behind that on the opposite wall and there's the North and South open, which was essentially a PGA tour of event in the you know first half of the 20th century. And you start reading the names there and you see Walter Hagen's on there three times and Sam Sneed's on there three times and Ben Hogan's on there three times. In fact, Ben Hogan in 1940 winning the North and South open was the first time he won an individual event on the PGA tour. He had been on the tour for seven years had never won until he won at number two. So that rich history is always going to be a part of us. But the cool thing for us that we are truly grateful for is if you walk the length of our hallway, we, we you will start with a photo of Donald Ross in 1901 and you'll see photos from the 1936 PGA championship, the 1951 Ryder cup. But by the time you get to the end of our hallway, you see high resolution images of 1999 us open in 2005 in 2014 and the 2019 us amateur. Um, and so that's what's so special for us. And again, not just at that elite level. It's because we've been a home for golf 
for people to come and visit here and play recreationally and competitively, but you know, to be a place that you could come be a guest and play golf for over 125 years. And so it's all rooted kind of together. It does really all help create the fabric of what Pinehurst is. You start with those sepia tone and black and white images and you end with, with you know, bright color beautiful photographs and and you know at the very end of the hallway is you know a sign with the dates of the 2024 us open so we're just so lucky to have been relevant for that entire timeline in the game of golf and especially really for the game of american golf um you know golf had just arrived to the states probably about 10 or so years before pinehurst itself was founded in 1895 and that's the other part of it this community is something too it's not pinehurst isn't just kind of an oasis when people come here it's not just our nine golf courses plus the cradle it's it's a true golfing community it's the village of pinehurst it's southern pines it's you know whatever i i can never remember what the number is it's 40 golf courses in a five mile radius or whatever the the crazy number is but that's it that that's part of it and it's part of why you know, golf has worked here so well, especially at the major championship level and the U.S. Open level is because that volunteer base is always going to be there and they're always going to be enthused. And you can already start to feel around here kind of the genuine buzz that happens when when major championship golf comes back here. And it's just a, a community that lives, breathes and celebrates the game. You go out anywhere in Pinehurst at night, get your cocktail or or an after dinner drink or you're going to dinner your server will probably ask, did you play today? Uh, where'd you play today? How'd you play today? I mean, it, that it's, it's really a part of it. And it's part of why, you know, we, we don't ever want to kind of pat ourselves on the back too much. That's not who we are. Um, but we're fortunate to have kind of have a, a, a kinship with St. Andrews and we hear it from them on their side of things too. And they, they, they tell us we're the home of golf and you guys are the home of American golf. And we mm. feel a real kinship there. And that's kind of what it is. If you look at the town of St. Andrews and you look at kind of the village of Pinehurst, there are some similarities if you've been to both. The first time I ever went to Pinehurst and I'll piggyback on a story that you just mentioned mm -hmm. 15 years ago for my 30th birthday, my wife took me down, played number two in, in torrential downpours, the only one on the course. Uh, it was incredible. You know, uh, made some friends with some with some servers, uh, got to play with them a few times, you know, just kind of weaving yourself like you talked about the fabric mm -hmm. of the town. The only day we didn't play golf, my wife and I walked downtown to the village. We were staying at the manor, obviously, before it was renovated. And we, we walk into a few shops and every single shop we walked in. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Awesome. Where are you playing today? And it was the only day I said, well, I'm actually not playing today. And I got stares like, what do you, wait a minute, what do you mean you're not playing? Um, are you going to putt at Thistledoo? I'm like, no, actually, we, we are going to the spa. We have dinner plans and we're not playing today. You're going to hit some balls in the range at least, right? <laughs> it, it's so worked into the fabric of the town that it, it, it's invigorating. Like, if you, if your golf game is getting stale, if you feel like, ah, you know what, I'm getting maybe a little bit bored with the game, I'm getting frustrated, mm -hmm. like take a trip to Pinehurst, and I guarantee the first person you run into will make you fall in love with the game over <laughs> and over again. It's it, it's so cool. I mean, it, I, I think about I think about like especially like our our clubhouse attendant guys. Like you know, unfortunately, if you know Pinehurst, if you've been here, you've probably walked up and seen Larry and Frolin at the bag drop, waiting for you to kind of drop off your bags, and they're gonna kind of start ingratiating you into 
who and what Piners is. And unfortunately, Froland passed away a couple of years ago. But I mean, those are two guys, and along with David and Emmett and Henry, and these are all guys that have 45 plus years that have worked here and have seen everything. And it's just a lot of times they are either the first voice you hear or the first faces you see when you come to Pinehurst. And all of a sudden you're just already thrown into just like, okay, right. this is this is it. And they're, they're the best guys in the world, but complete and total ambassadors for the place. But they've also been here for four plus decades each. And that should tell you a little something too. Um, that it, it really is. It's, it's unique. It's special. You know, we haven't even gotten into it. Like I said, you know, you have four flags behind you. And all four offer kind of very different golf experiences. Yes. And so I think that's another kind of to touch on your point of like fall, refall back, fall back in love with the game. It's yeah, you're going to get a different experience each time out. And um, I think that's just part of the beauty of, of this place. And it's not just us. It's it's the area itself. Yeah. And there's, there's so many different ways to fall in love with the game at Pinehurst. My wife does not play no matter what. When we are there, it's always two, three rounds for her on Thistle Dune. She loves it. Yeah, like it's right. just, what what a special place, what a special environment. Again, she doesn't play. She always walks the cradle with us because it's just <laughs> an amazing piece of property. And whether she sits, you know, by the cradle mm -hmm. crossing by the fireplace for a little bit while we go off and play, you know, the, the back yep. nine of, of the cradle there, like she's content doing that. And I think there's there's so many ways within the town of Pinehurst and within surrounding courses mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. you kind of find what you love, you know, um, you, you want to play a short challenging course. You go to number three, you want to play a world-class brute. You go to two, you go to four, you know, you want to play more of that country club feel. You go to mm -hmm. nine. It, it, there's so much variety there. And so I want to ask you as an insider, as someone that's there all the time, mm -hmm. what courses stand out to you? most what what are your favorite courses on the property and let's just eliminate number two and number four because sure. yeah. look if you can't love two and four then you can't love golf <laughs> well yeah really kind of you to say i appreciate that one thing i will mention about too before we kind of get into it is when you do come back and i know for a lot of people it's a bucket list golf course to completely understand that but it's also then you'll have the opportunity with us opens kind of coming in an even more regular basis now that when you have played number two, you'll be able to go back and you'll watch a broadcast now and be like, okay, I know what that looks like. I've been yes. there. I know. Well, one, I know like it, don't ever be in the, the front bunker in front of the 18th green with a full veranda <laughs> behind you um, watching it, every move. Uh, but you know what that feels like. And that's cool. And that's unique to us that, that we, that we feel is very special. And it gets back to kind of part of what, what our social media kind of philosophy is, is kind of bring Pinehurst to people um, if they can't be here. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times people have been here and you almost put them right back in that setting. That said, if you are able to come back, if you are able to play number two more than once over the years or whatever it is, you do start to see, okay, there's where the genius is. And it's why it's why you'll hear Gil Hans say when he was redesigning number four, he would walk number two and he would look at all the green complexes on the way over to the site at number four and he'd see something different or new every time. Tom Doka said the exact same thing already with as they build number 10 right now out at the Aberdeen site. He says, just I tell our, our people, go look at number two. Just go look at it. You'll see something different every time. And as a player, you do the same thing. I mean, I remember going out there once and playing and I was short of the seventh green. And I remember going like, I've never seen this little hump or ridge before. 
if I were a better player, I'd have some unique options of trying to figure out how I'd want to play this shot because of that stupid little ridge that I had never <laughs> seen before. Me, I'm just going to grab my putter and hope and put up from off the green. But it's it was like, but that that's where that's what's special. That's that's the genius of that. Um, so that's number two. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things again. Every tee, pretty much on every tee, you can see the the green on on yep. number two. It's all laid out right in front of you. It's as classic a golf course as you can get. You know, gr- greens are close to the next tee, um, so it's very special from from that perspective. As far as let me let me course, jump on yeah, let me yeah. jump on that real quick. Here's you know an interesting thing. You've probably played it more than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played it three times now. I literally have never hit the same shot twice on that course. Right. And and even if I was in the same position as a prior round options, right. That's, that's the word of of the course options. You, you, there's so many things you can do, fly it high, bump it into the knoll and run it, put it up. And I, I adore taking people for their first time out there and seeing their eyes open up because by the time they hit, you know, the fourth hole, the long par four, and then the par five coming back. By the time they hit that, they realize everything I know about my normal short game, I've got to throw out the window. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a true test. I mean, you know, and it, with the restoration by Corin Crenshaw in, in 2011, you know, the, the fairways were very much expanded back to what Ross right. had originally intended. Um, you know, what the golf course looks like now kind of mimics what Ross was doing with it in the mid to late 40s before his death here. So that's kind of what you're playing with the sandscape and the wire grass and and central line irrigation of the uh, of the fairway. So if, if if we haven't had rain for a while, the edges of the fairways are going to brown mm-hmm. out. They're going to start to fade and that sort of thing. That's all by design. That, that that's that's natural. So, you know, a lot of people will may sit there and think well, it's a relatively those are wide fairways out there. It's a relatively easy driving golf course. Well, good. Um <laughs> but when you're standing on the tee and you see where the flag is on that green, and if you know, you, you know, well, maybe I need to be on the left side of the fairway this time because that's what my, that's what Ross was also doing. It's like, you know, you can still position yourself, but it is, you're right. It's a second shot golf course. It's, it's the short game around the greens are just so unbelievable. It's why Tom Doak says they're the, you know, the some of the most masterful green complexes in, in all of golf. Um, and, yeah, you're right. There's a million different ways to play it. And it's fun because we, you know, again, we have the North and South amateur every summer. And for the most part, it's kind of the, you know, some of the best college golfers in the world or in, especially in the United States coming and playing that. And you do kind of get reminded annually that, man, there's a lot of different ways to do this. And it's really cool to see really good players just kind of think their way through it and hit different shots and spinny chips and things like that, that they're able to almost kind of get away with a little bit that yeah. some of us maybe wouldn't be able to do, but that's why you have a caddy on your bag when you're here and he or she will help you out. So. Yeah. And they are, they are very good there. Uh, I, I've got one that's a good friend that I've had on the podcast before also named Alex. And, and I mean, you know, I, I, it's funny because I've never met and I've met a lot of people through this podcast and spoken to a lot of people and I've never met a single person that does not rave about the entire resort. And again, that's just not boiled down to two and four. That's those other mm-hmm. courses as well. Um, so what are yeah. your favorite other courses? Sure. Yeah. And I, I could go a while here, but I'll, I'll, keep, I'll, I'll keep it brief. The, I, 
number three, you mentioned it. I love number three for what it is. Number three had to be a little bit. Number three has been through a number of iterations since the, you know, 1914 or whatever it was when it originally opened. But that said, the, the, the latest iteration, it had to be rerouted a little bit because with where we put the cradle was the first was one of the first holes of course three but what it ended up doing was on that rerouting it ended up creating a 5100 yard golf course that's a par 68 that has sandscape and wiregrass everywhere as well it, we 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 joke that it got the number two hammer kind of hit into it um there are some actual definite ross elements out there there are things out there that were brought back to his original holes that were on course three it's so much fun um there it, it, it's it's so you, I'm trying to, there are, there can't be many 5,100 yard 18 hole golf courses where you could play almost every club in your back. Um, and you have true. to really think your way through it. Like maybe I should hit four iron off the tee here on this short par four, or well, it's 280 and it, you know, there's a little bit of trouble there. Maybe let me, let me give it a ride a little bit, but then there's an uphill 200 yard par three too. Um, it's, it's so much fun. The greens are unbelievable out there. And everybody always says number three is a mini number two. If you could play it before you play number two, it's, it's a wonderful little like kind of test that here's what you're going to get on, on, on its big brother. Um, so it's a lot of fun that way. Um, I love course one, uh, course one just feels classic. Um, it's another one that's relatively short. It's only about 6,200 yards i think even i think the only back tees we have on course one are like blue tees mm -hmm. um but it's such a classic design um it's it weaves around a little bit of kind of the horse country down here some stables and things like that there are homes out there on number one but you almost hardly ever feel them or, or see them yeah um, they don't very cool. yeah it's it's really cool um it's one of those sneaky like hidden gems kind of thing that like number one and number one's fun too because it's like okay this is yeah, there, there's some short par fours that are kind of scorable out here. And you feel like, oh, yeah, you know, I hit a good drive and I have a wedge in. This is now you know how the pros feel. This is kind of fun. Right. Um, but it also has what we all say is probably the hardest par three in all of Piners, the 12th yes. hole, which is like this incredible. But it's this incredible like window. You, you like you walk up and you see Ross, uh, you see Donald Ross because it's it's a hard par three. But there's a big it's over water but there's a big bailout on the right side now the green's going to slope away from me from there but you know if you hit a good shot maybe you know it, it but then the next hole is a relatively easy par four so it's like well if you can get through 12 and 13 and seven shots that's the idea rather yeah. than you know you know it really is kind of that that 12th hole and so there's just so much of that unique architectural charm all the way through that um, number eight, we just kind of did a, kind of an agronomic refurbish of number eight. Um, it had been about 20 years since, you know, we opened it for a centennial. So it had been about 25 years or so uh, since number eight was originally built. So kind of getting it out there, getting it firmer and faster again, kind of making sure the greens are what they originally expected to be as far as size and undulation and things like that. Man, plays so firm and fast now. It's really a lot of fun. There are no homes out there on number eight. It's really a natural setting. There's marshland out there. It's very different, uh, very different feel than a lot of like what you when you're over here at the clubhouse and you see a lot of wiregrass and sandscape. You see that out there on number eight too, but it's a little bit different feel. So that's a lot of fun. And then, I mean, the cradle is just the cradle is just, is is so much fun because 
you never the, the vibe is is so laid back and cool mm -hmm. and especially in the afternoons when music's playing and you know the cradle crossing you mentioned the little bar there that it's behind the third green and then you got to walk by it again from get from eight to to nine um but it's it's such a vibe out there um it feels different every time you play it um gil hance designed that nine holes they range from 45 yards to 120. Um, you take two or three wedges in a putter. You can kick off your shoes, play it barefoot. That's how Gil likes to do it. Um, and, you know, you have a shot at a hole in one. That's what we like to say. There's almost, it feels like there's magic in every, there's potential magic in every swing on the cradle. Yes. Um, yes. And we will walk, I mean, you'll walk around and like you mentioned, Thistledew is our 18 hole punting course. And all of this is the cradle and Thistledew, if people don't know and haven't been here, are basically our front yard. They're right off the steps of our South Veranda. Um, it's all out there in front of you. It's all, I mean, it takes 45 minutes to an hour to play the cradle. It takes about the same really to play Thistledew. Um, it's that expansive and it's just a cool feeling. Um, the cradle almost play, if, like I mentioned, it plays different almost every time. It's like you play it once through and you're like, okay, now I know how the ball is going to react off the wedge. Cause there's, those greens are so funky and fun. Um, but that's, that's part of what you know, we're really, really proud of here is that, you know, we still play U.S. Opens here and you can still have your U.S. Open experience here. And the very cool thing, the other thing about number two is that, man, when you play it, you're pretty much playing a U.S. Open setup. Now, sure, the greens are going to be faster. They're going to be firmer when the pros are here, but we don't have to narrow fairways. We don't have to grow rough up any higher. It's there are two lengths of grass on on number two. There's the greens and there's everything else. And the rest of it's, you know, our rough is is native area. It's wiregrass, it's sand, it's pine straw. Um, and so when, what you play is the layout and the style of what a U.S. Open is here every time it's here now. Um, but then you can walk around the corner after you played in the morning, kick off your shoes and have a four o'clock tea time on the cradle with a drink in your hand and a couple of wedges and sit in an Adirondack chair and watch everybody else come through. Like you said, you, you know, your wife can sit there and have a blast too. And um, that can all, that all happens literally here at the same clubhouse while there are, you know, a total of five golf courses around it. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. Yeah. One of my favorite days ever at Pinehurst, which I always reference back to people because, you know, not that I'm an ambassador, but I literally will go out of my way to, to talk about it to people um, and, and to promote it. Because not only has it been so good to me, you know, you'd have to be blind to not see how good it is for the entire game of golf. And one of my favorite days ever there was playing 18 holes on the cradle, looping it twice, heading over to Thistledew, playing 18, going inside, getting lunch, coming back yep. out, playing another 18 in the cradle. And it was re it was it was wash, rinse, yeah. repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. And, you know, again, you could play it five or six times. You're never going to have the same shot. You're never going to have the same putt. And that's the whole mm -hmm. thing with the resort and the town itself. And even the other surrounding towns, you know, Southern Pines and Carthage. I mean, there's so many yeah. good golf courses around. There's so much variety down there. Um, so now I, I know you don't live in Pinehurst itself, but how much time do you spend in and around the Pinehurst region? I mean, pretty, I mean, every workday for sure. I mean, it's kind of one of those things I, 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 
the the joke is if you want to play a lot of golf don't don't go in the golf business <laughs> so you know I'm, but I'm, I'm here every day the one thing i will say kind of about that is and i only live about 25 minutes away up the road so it's perfect podcast listening time to drive down to work and go back <laughs> um so but you know for me what i you know i'm upstairs right now i'm in a in a boardroom that's on the second floor of the main clubhouse and my office is a few doors down. And so my office is in the second floor of the Pioneers Clubhouse. And down another hallway is a, a door to the roof that you can walk out there and overlooks 18 of, of number two. And so what I always try to remember is one thing I always do when I walk in and when I walk out is my phone is in my pocket and my head is up and I'm saying hello or I'm looking around because one, you never know who's going to walk past by you. Um, that That's always one thing because um, you never know who's going to be here. But it's also, again, just never to take any of this for granted. Um, and it's just, again, you walk by the the artwork, whether it's in the Carolina Hotel or over here at the clubhouse, and you just you, you're reminded every day, a couple of times a day, the, uh, of who has walked in these literal same footsteps and hallways. And if you love golf, um, it, it's it's everybody you can possibly think of. And and not only that, it's it's so many of those, so many of the greatest players have actually won here as well. I mean, I mentioned Hagen and Hogan and Sneed and uh, Nicholas and you know T Tom Watson won a tour event here in the seventies, as did you know you know Johnny Miller and you know so it's every era of of golf um, is represented in some way in some form here, and so that's you know never to be never to be lost on, and so that that's kind of my thing. It's that. When I walk to and from my car every day, um, my phone's in my pocket. I'm not doing an email. I'm not sending a text. Uh, I'm going to soak that in. And that's kind of my way of you know, trying to hold on to it a little bit more. You mentioned never knowing who you're going to run into. First time down at Pioneer, I said 15 years ago, I was 30 years old. It was an old defunct golf magazine called Travel and Leisure Golf. <laughs> I wrote a letter to the editor. Included a picture of me next to Pine, uh, next to Payne Stewart, right, on the 18th of Pinehurst number two. <laughs> Uh, talked a little bit about my, my round and the experience first time I was ever down there, vowed to come back again and again and again. Uh, lo and behold, it came to fruition, right? Put it out there in the universe, it comes back. I get a card signed by Mr. Tom Pashley yep. in the mail. <laughs> he had contacted Travel and Leisure Golf, had found my address, sent me a beautiful frame, which I now have that picture of myself with the Payne Stewart statue in, and just a real nice handwritten letter said, hey, Dan, we're so thankful you had a great time down here. Thanks for promoting us, you know, out in the world. Well, fast forward to COVID times, and I'm down at Pinehurst again uh, as your guest down there. And my buddy, who caddies out on the European tour, we're walking along the side, and we're just talking. And there's a gentleman sitting on a bench, and he said, hey, guys, how was your round today? And, we, you know, you start st striking up conversation. And we introduce ourselves. You say, my, my, name's, my name's Tom. I said, I'm Dan. My other buddy's name is Dan. <laughs> and, and I stop talking and I'm staring at this man. My, my buddy's going off, you know, telling him about everything. And I'm trying to like search my memory banks. And why is this man so familiar? Like, who is this guy? Why is he wearing a suit, you know, when it's, when it's rather warm out in the middle of summer? And I looked at him and I said, I know you from somewhere. I said, I'm not <laughs> sure we've met. I said, but I definitely know you. And he says, oh, well, my last name is Pashley. And I was like, 
Okay, there you go. Yep. And it's funny because my mother's <laughs> maiden name is Pash. So I never forgot his last name right. because of that, you know, that correlation. My last name is Pat Asher. So, you know, it, yep. it, it's something that's always kind of in your mind. And uh, I said, I've got to tell you a story, you know, and I relayed that to him and we chatted. I mean, I'm sure he had better things to do and more important people to talk to, but <laughs> sat and talked with us for, for 30 minutes, uh, you know, out on the veranda. And to this day, it's, it's one of the best encounters I've ever had there. Um, but again, it goes to show like everyone's just so low key and, and, and laid back there. The golf speaks for itself, right? You don't need to shout about it. You don't need to yell in, in volume because everything that you guys do down there, it, it shows through wonderfully. I appreciate that very much. And for those who don't know, Tom Pashley is actually the president of Piners Resort. So you're, you know, good hands when you're ever you're around Tom because there's no bigger advocate for Piners than than Tom for sure. And um, but that that's I, I do. I do think that that just speaks to who and what we want to be um, around here and, and for any guests. And we we talk about it. We, we say it out loud. It's somebody's U.S. Open every day here. Um, somebody, you know, spent spent a good bit of money to come here and visit us, and um, we want to make sure they have that experience, that, that they know what the level of golf is, they've seen it, whether it's on TV or online or something like that, and we need to deliver that. And it goes from, you know, the, at the reservation desk to any restaurant here at Piners to the starter out there warming you up before you round, um, you know, and it's... Part of it, too, is it's just North Carolina and it's the people. That's one thing about Pinehurst is, you know, we're about for those who don't know, we're about an hour and 20 minutes drive south of of Raleigh. Um, and so we're in the North Carolina Sandals, but we're not really near a major metropolitan area for that matter. And so a lot of people who work here at the resort are people who are from the town, who were born and grew up here. We have generations of individual families who work here. Um, and so a lot of then that kind of hospitality really does shine through. And we're really special. We, we think we're special for the golf, but what we really are is special for our people. And I, we, you know, that's that's our goal every day is to make sure that those who, who choose to come spend some time with us uh, go away feeling that. Um, and we want the lobby of the Carolina Hotel to feel like kind of golf's living room, um, that when the doorman opens the door, he says, welcome home. Um, and we want it. We want that to. We want you to feel that. We want. We've 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 heard people say. We had one line. We heard that you know if you drive down Carolina Vista, which is the road right, you know, a little tiny road that goes to the Carolina Hotel, and the Carolinas kind of revealed between these big magnolias and, and pine trees, and they'll say, you know, I felt time starts to slow down as I make that drive, and you know, we we hope that. We hope some of the burden of you know you always feel in your daily life on your shoulders is start to be lifted as you as you come here because it is it's a little bit slower pace there, there's not a, not a lot of traffic around here if you can manage you know a pretty good sized traffic circle to get here then you'll be okay <laughs> um, but yeah it's it, that that's that's part of it I mean I, I that's what we hope is is translated to every guest and you know hope and then on the golf course. You know, we expect that experience hopefully to grow a little bit, too. You're a gentleman who spends, you know, his Monday through Fridays and, and I'm assuming probably some weekends in yeah. the town as well. Um, so people have heard me talk about my experiences there enough. I'd like to get someone that's boots on the ground nonstop. <laughs> Can you give us and our listeners maybe one or two of 
the more hidden gems of the mm-hmm. region that they should check out because quite honestly, I think for my first few trips down there, I never left the resort property. And, and there's yeah. no need to. But once you start to really get yourself ingratiated in the culture down there and you see what the Sandhills has to offer, mm-hmm. it, it opens up an entirely new world to maybe your vacation or, or your family getaway or your you know reunion down there. Um, mm-hmm. So what would be one or two places down in and amongst the Sandhills that you, your family love that maybe not a lot of people know about. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, you know, we, we've mentioned the village of Pinehurst and we we would hardly ever want people to stray too far from the village because that's one thing too. You come to the resort, you could park your car and you don't need it really for three days if you don't want to leave the resort. Everything's walkable. I mean, from the Carolina Hotel is literally down a short brick pathway and you are in the middle of this historic village of Pinehurst that was designed by Frederick Law Olmsted who designed Central Park in New York. And so it's this very charming New England style village, curvy streets, uh, shops, taverns, pubs, restaurants everywhere. So do that, make sure you do that. If you wanna venture beyond that, you know, Southern Pines is a five to 10 minute drive away, simple little drive, you're never gonna go over 35 miles an hour or 40 miles an hour to get there. But the downtown of Southern Pines is great. Same kind of thing. A little bit of a younger vibe over there. And so if you walk those blocks up and down between the train tracks, same kind of thing. Shops, pubs, taverns, restaurants. You could really, if you have an extra night, you know, go hang out there for a little bit. Um, that That's uh, downtown Southern Pines is just a terrific little gem. If you're at the resort, a couple of things. I mean, it's, you know, have the have the chips at the tavern. Go to the tavern, which is a little restaurant in the Holly. It's one of our hotels, um, so it'll be on your meal plan if you're here. But it's you know homemade potato chips every day. They bring you right to your table as soon as you sit down. It's this tight little intimate setting. Um, so that's kind of another cool thing about Pinehurst is getting away from the golf course. I mean, we have nine restaurants I think at the at the resort. And every one of them is a different experience. If you want high level fine dining, you can get that at the 1895 Grill, which is also in the Holly, or at Villaggio Ristorante, which is a, a an Italian restaurant, fine dining at the Magnolia Inn, which is another one of our hotels. If you want something super casual, you go to the Deuce here at the clubhouse and they'll get you in and out um, and you'll have great kind of American pub fare there. Um, we're completely renovating the Ryder Cup Lounge now, so that'll be a new iteration. Um, Piner's Brewing Company, if you want barbecue and craft beer, you can do that in an old steam plant building that we refurbished about five years ago. Uh, so you can get a little bit of everything you want. So especially when it's your buddies or if it's if you're coming as a couple or something like that, you can have a different dining experience each and every day, too. So I think that's that can be interesting. And that's by design. That's what our executive chef wants people to have an opportunity to experience. You mentioned the spa. There's a you know, we have a twenty eight thousand square foot spa here at Pinehurst. Really a great spa is finding a rocking chair on the veranda at the Carolina or the clubhouse <laughs> here and sitting um, because you don't have to rush off to do something that that again, talk about a hidden gem. It's it's that it's the fire pits at the North and South bar. That's maybe another hidden gem. North and South bar is a whiskey and bourbon bar in the manor hotel. Um, we don't really sue, serve food there, but it's just the perfect little cocktail place. Um, and so those are some kind of my, of, of my favorites that, you know, I think about that is beyond kind of your golf experience, whether you're playing 36 a day or plan to, 
you know, you, you can do a lot of different things here um, that gets away from kind of the hustle and bustle of daily life. So I have not purchased tees to play golf yeah. in a very long I was time. I the tees, yeah. I am not ashamed to say <laughs> that I might take more than the resort probably thinks a person should take. However, I share. <laughs> and every time I'm playing with people, I, I hand them out. I do share. Um, it, it's so bad, Alex, that the people that play at our home course for my high school team know when I've been there because they'll find them on tee boxes. Um, so you, you many iterations. And, and one of the things you guys mm -hmm. do, which I think you're not giving enough credit to, is the, the branding and marketing you do for each course. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the flags yeah. over my shoulder. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't have a, a number eight flag yet. And, and not every course has their own flag, um, but you've done a great job marketing and branding those courses as well. That's incorporated in the tees and kind of, there's so many little hidden Easter eggs yeah. within the resort yeah. that, are, that are free that you don't pay for. And what a great souvenir to get, you know, a handful or more of tees yep. From, from every place. So I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite tea that the resort has Oof. produced? I have mine as well. I okay. actually just got them from, um, they, the resort used one of my videos for their TikTok. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said, mm -hmm. well, what's yep. here? here's, here's the only thing I need. The only thing I need are some of those spring teas. Because uh -huh. I'm never down there in the spring. Just bring up the and, spring teas. Yep. Yep. Those and so, my yeah. yeah, they're incredible. I've got my little <laughs> bag. Uh, I gave a handful to each of the boys because I said, I don't nice. want you going in these. Like, these need to last. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good, like you mentioned. And it's not just at the golf courses. Like, so number two will have its own tees. Number eight has its own tees. Number four does. Number three. The number three tees are kind of cool because they're like half size. Yeah. Just, of yeah. course, is 5,100 yards. Um, you know, we are, you know, we do on occasion have cradle tees that are like that big. Um yeah, you know, because again, it's a short course. You don't need a real long tee. Um, well, don't forget, you can get you can get tees at the Cradle Crossing as well. Exactly. So it's there. Like you walk in. That's the cool thing for me. It's like, oh wait, I'm checking in in the Manor. Oh, the Manor has tees. Or I'll walk by. I'll eat in the lobby. Oh, the Carolina has tees, and they're just kind of sprinkled around. Uh, I think I think the brewery has them as well. So you know, you could find them all these different places, of, and they're just kind of there. And it's a, usually it's a little fishbowl that you. Can, yeah, grab a handful and go. Kind of my favorite thing, and I'm, I'm, you know, this is this is so cheeky of me, I know, but it's like I play somewhere else. I'm like, I, I feel like breaking a few like number four, or number eight tees out here just to kind of leave them, um, you know. And it's it's kind of nice to think about somebody picking up my 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 course number two, uh, yep. broken tee, or seeing it lying there. Um, yeah, I love the I love those. I really my favorite thing is the deuce coin. Um, if you make a two on two, um, and so, you know, if you make a two on two, bring your scorecard, walk into the deuce and say, I made my two on two, show it to the bartender. And you, if we have them, if we had not run out of them, they'll turn around and give you a little coin that says made a two on two. Um, and so I'm glad to have mine from the 17th hole from a little bit earlier this year. So I got one for this year. Um, but yeah, so, and that that's kind of it's it's those little things it's you make a hole in one on the cradle and you get a little speech from the uh from the starter ed and you'll get a, a poker chip from you know that hole um you know just you know just giving those away so just just let us know when something special happens and 
just let me know when something really special happens because <laughs> I might want to write about you or we might want to do a video. So, um, yeah, because it's it's just just so cool what what can happen here. And yeah, we try it. We want to, you know, we want to give some of that back. Yeah. And that ingratiates, you know, the resort to people because, you know, it, it's very cool to see the pros playing there. Right. And a lot of people have been there, done that type of mentality. But what golf really boils down to is, you know, the human interactions between people and, and your experience there, you know, like, yeah, it, it's it's cool. My buddy that's a tour pro, you know, hits it 350 and, and knows the difference between a 51 yard chip and a 53 yard chip. Guess yep. what? I, and I'm never going to be able to right. feel that. But through your writings and, and musings, you know, I, I understand what it's like to travel maybe from overseas and, and have their first experience in the U.S. be a trip to Pinehurst. And, and that's a real cool, you know, aspect. Um, when did you get into writing? Do you have a, a background in that? Is there a degree yeah. in that? Yeah, I have a journalism background. So okay. always, you know, I, I knew very early on I wasn't going to play much for very long. Um, and so just always wanted to get into sports writing. Um, that was always kind of my hope and goal. Uh, I spent about 10 to 12 years, um, went to went to UNC at Chapel Hill for, for journalism, um, much probably to my parents' chagrin, um, much to my wife's chagrin, because there's not a lot of money in it, for sure. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I always wanted to write. That was always kind of my thing. Um, and so, you know, that I was always somebody who just really loved print. And so I, I worked two kind of small daily newspapers in North Carolina for about 10 to 12 years and just could see that's going back 15 years now, kind of getting back to like, you know, I could see where the newspaper industry was going. And it was for me, it was kind of like I, you know, I, I think you know, I've gotten to do a lot of cool things. I've seen a lot of a lot of cool games. I've been to a lot of Duke Carolina stuff. I've been you know, it's it's been I've been really fortunate. Heck, I I was a year out of college and I was able to cover the 1999 U.S. Open here because my my parents were living in Southern Pines. So I had a place to stay. Um, and so, you know, I'd done all that kind of stuff, but I just kind of knew I needed a little bit of a change or but I wanted to stay close to, you know, some sort of either writing or um, in athletics or sports in some way. And so I was really fortunate to, to catch on a, as a sports information director at Division II Fayetteville State University. For me, it was about a 45-minute drive. Um, but, you know, so I was able to do kind of that. And really, you know, I, I had a blast for that, um, of doing that for a couple of years. And at that level, you know, small college, again, D2, you know, you do a little bit of everything. What You, you know, you're not assigned a, a sport. You cover all your university sports. You do all, I did mostly kind of communications on that side, a lot of game ops and that kind of thing. Um, really loved it. It's a grind of a, of a, of a job though. And we, at the time, our daughter was pretty young. And so, you know, it was, you know, summers were great. There wasn't a whole lot to do in summer besides start to, you know, design a, a, a media guide for the football team. But, um, you know, but from, August to April, it was, it was a lot. It was a grind. Like I said, it's every sport, it's every day. It's, um, and then I was extremely fortunate. Pinehurst was looking for someone really to take, to pretty much do content creation and manage all of the resorts, social media. And at the time, I think we, I think Pinehurst had just Facebook and Twitter. Um, so I'm going back, this was 2012. I, I always tell people I got here at the perfect time for that kind of job because I got here almost two years to the day uh, before the 2014 U.S. Opens, the men's and women's opens here at Pinehurst that were back-to-back -back weeks. 
And so I had plenty of runway to go with. And it, that was a year after the restoration. Number two had been completed. So we had all this kind of news every day kind of thing. Um, so it was perfect for me. Um, so I came here, yeah, essentially to do that. My role has kind of transitioned again into more media relations since the 14 opens. Um, but it's still an opportunity, again, to tell stories every day. It's just that the platform changes. Um, but that's part of the fun for us. It's almost working as an editor, um, being Pinehurst's you know, editor to decide, okay, we've got a story here. What's our best way of telling it? What's our best way of sharing it? What's our best way uh, of you know, bringing this you know, hopefully to our audience and maybe beyond? Um, and so that's pretty invigorating to do that. And sometimes, you know, whether it's a, a video piece that Matt puts together that's really exceptional or it's, you know, it's a photo collage because something happened or it's a it's a feature story that I write for our website. Um, it could be anything. And that really kind of keeps the kind of creative juices flowing. Um, and for me, that's that's what's been really, really rewarding. Um, and then there's that other part of you never know in this kind of role, which where your day is going to go and where it's right. going to take you. And, and what can happen. And so, um, I mean, it was just like yesterday. I mean, Rick, you know, and, and you know, I don't, I don't want time, time stamp us too much, but you know, today's Friday, it's the second round of the, of the U S open, but you see the first round at LA country club and Ricky Fowler goes crazy and she's 62. And all I could think of was, man, we're on deck for 2024. And I go right back to Thursday in 2014 when Ricky showed up in plus fours <laughs> and, uh, you know, to pay, pay tribute to Paige Stewart. And it was like, boom, there we are. You know, that's our story today. And let's remind everyone that that happened here. And how cool is that? And uh, that that's, again, that speaks to the power and legacy of Piners that, man, just something as simple as Ricky Fowler had a good day in the U.S. Open translates to something directly to us. And let's, right. Right, let's, let's retell that. Um, and so that's, that's what's fun here. That's what's that that that's what keeps me uh, pretty excited every day to come to work. You, you I, I assume you guys must get hundreds of media requests for different outlets and, mm -hmm. and asking for different things from the resort. Um, are, are you able to go into who you reply back to and, and who you <laughs> don't? I mean, you know, I, I reached out as as a yeah. literal, complete unknown, self-funded, you know, podcast mm -hmm. Instagram page that nobody knew anything about and literally one of my biggest jump off points was the instagram takeover um mm -hmm. of the pinehurst page and just kind of showing a normal person's day out on number four and, and like i said I, I got god i can't even count on my hands and, and toes how many people were like hey dan i saw your you know, Instagram live yesterday, where are you going to be tomorrow? What are you doing for dinner? And I'm, I'm like, what? They're cool. I mean, it's so cool. I mean, for us, I mean, you know, media has changed so much in just in the time I've done this and again, I, but I was also always that person myself. I mean, again, I was a small town daily newspaper or, you know, sports editor kind of thing. And so that was always my thing. And then, it, and that translated again for me personally, again, going to a division two school, at, at Fayetteville State. And I always remember kind of telling, you know, our folks is like, yeah, just because we're small doesn't mean we can't play big. You know, let's let's provide a good experience. And, you know, when when that media person reaches out and needs an interview with one of our coaches, let's turn it around as quickly as we can, because I've been that guy who's mm -hmm. waited for that interview. And so that kind of, you know, I, I'm hopeful that 
I'm as responsive as I, I can be to just about anyone. Um, I want to spread the, the gospel of finers, that, that's for sure. And it, if you need photography and images from us, I'll get them to you. And I'm hopeful to turn them around to you right away. If you, if, if you need an interview and, you know, a lot of it too, Dan, is, I mean, we, we can look at your content and see like, oh man, this, this, guy, this guy cares about golf. And this guy's going to speak directly to, you know, people who would love to come here and be here. Mm-hmm. And so that, I mean, that's, that's part of it is just the fact of, man, it, let, let's celebrate this great game and let's celebrate this great place and let's find the best way to do that. Um, you know, yeah, yes. Uh, I, I replied to a, a golf digest request this morning for something. Cause we're working on a visit to come and shoot Piners number two next month for getting ready for their content for 2024. So it can go that high level, but it can also be, you know, a, a small daily newspaper in North Carolina or something that needs something, then we're going to try to turn it around for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, let, let's switch gears. Uh, I, I'm totally cognizant of your time. Um, so I don't want to keep you too long. We, we got to talk music. <laughs> I right, was wondering if this to. was going to come up. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, so, you know, people that listen to the podcast know, and I always post the hashtag golf music and it's usually not music that, you know, you would typically associate. <laughs> right. with. Of course. Um, so full disclosure, you and I are both enormous Gaslight Anthem fans, band mm-hmm. out of New Jersey. Um, you're an enormous Bruce Springsteen fan, yeah. as am I. Grew up on him. Uh, yep. I, I gotta, I gotta know, like, how did a boy from, mm-hmm. you know, the South become so ingrained in, in what, in my opinion, is like true Northeast music? I, so I grew up yeah. on Long Island. Grew up going to shows, you know, to Jones Beach, to the Meadowlands, which is, you know, mm-hmm. not the Meadowlands anymore. Um, you know, Continental Airlines Arena, Nassau Coliseum, like all these Love iconic it. Northeast venues that I went to concerts for. And there's a definite tone in kind of gritty Northeast music. So how did, how did you kind of find that? How'd you gravitate towards that? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, it probably, it probably, the root, like you mentioned, the roots are probably Springsteen. Um, and, you know, it, I'm, you know, I'll date myself here a good bit. And, you know, again, what what former sports writer doesn't love Bruce Springsteen? It's almost like, you know, I, I have my card. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm cognizant of that. I, I, I totally get it. Um, it's similar to like, how did I, you know, apologies for with the, with the St. Louis hat, but like, you know, it's part of how I became a Cubs fan too. I was eight years old and we got cable. Even though we lived in the South at the time, we were in South Carolina at that time. We got cable when I was eight. It was 1983 or 84 and the Cubs were actually good. They were on TV every day because there's a day game at, you know, at, at three, at 2.20 Eastern. Harry Carey's coming on my TV yeah. every day as I get out of school or during the summer. Like I didn't have a chance, man. I was like, I, it, now my dad would come home from work when we got cable and he, my dad's from is a mining engineer from Northern Minnesota who ended up falling in love with the Atlanta Braves because he did the same thing. It's just that he came home TBS. at six o'clock and yeah. TBS and the Braves were on at seven Oh five. So it's like, okay, those two things are kind of congruent, but that's how like, how does a Minnesota guy become a huge Braves fan? How does a kid who grew up, essentially grew up, we bounced around all over growing up, but essentially grew up in, in the Southeast become a Cubs fan? Well, that that's what happened. I think similarly with Springsteen, it's like, I think my dad got like, I think I robbed my dad's um, cassette of Born in the USA mm. right around the same time, again, 83, 84. Um, so MTV, same thing, right? Um, and so Springsteen's all over MTV at the same time. Um, so I think a lot of the roots 
came from there and it was just kind of the offshoots. And I think it actually, for me, it's probably been more as I've gotten older. I, I mean, I think, you know, and Gaslight may have been kind of the one where when 59 Sound came out, mm-hmm. it was, that was the one that, you know, I think it maybe either I just heard it or it just spoke to me and it was all a jumping off point from there. Um, so it's probably been a little bit more later in life. Although I look back and I'm like, Maybe there's a reason why Darkness on the Edge of Town was my fa- always my favorite Springsteen <laughs> record. And so maybe that's probably, again, it's that route. And so I think everything jumped off from there. And I, I this will sound completely pretentious, and I understand that, and I apologize for it ahead of time. But I think I just, I, I identify a little bit more with kind of a blue-collar feel. And mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that's... Um, I hope that's true to me. It's kind of like my best friends here all work golf course maintenance. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's like those are all the dudes who are outside. Um, so I don't, you know, that's just kind of, you know, maybe that's kind of the thing. And it's just been, it's been just exponential from there. It just bounces off from there. So you, you had just seen Gaslight uh, last month. I think it was for you. Yeah. And so, would, mm-hmm. so would I. I think we were three weeks apart on the tour. Um, yeah. So, you know, I got to ask you, that's my second time seeing them. Actually, the first time I saw them was during the Sink or Swim tour. Very small. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I, so you're early on. You're in. Yeah, talking going back uh, at this place, Allentown Fairgrounds. Uh, great venue. Worst sound in the world. Uh, Weezer. <laughs> Weezer had brought them out on tour. And, you know, they were phenomenal. We knew about them beforehand. And actually, funny side story, we went to their merch booth, which literally was a guy with a few T-shirts my buddy had mm-hmm. bought the album and uh he was like man wouldn't it be awesome if like brian and alex could all sign them i'm like Dude, just ask the guy you know because my yeah. whole philosophy in life is the worst someone can say is no right for sure so we went up we start a conversation with the guy turns out like he's their friend that they just brought out on tour to manage their merch and i was like hey man my buddy just bought this you know the, the album and a t-shirt i bought a t-shirt i said any way you can go like to, and this this legit guys were in a trailer in the back like, right 50 yards off of the merch booth. And I said, any way you can go in the back because the guys just finished. This is before Weezer came out and get them to sign. And he's like, man, I don't know. I'm like, dude, we're big fans. Like, Come on, <laughs> give it a shot for us. And he was like, all right, let me see. Comes back out, signed by all four. You know, my buddy, he's actually my tattoo artist. So it's hanging up in his in his tattoo studio. Uh, yeah, just a, a great story. But I want to ask you, um, mm-hmm. A, was that the first time that you saw them? No, I've seen them. Okay. And I've seen them here in North Carolina. It was the first time in probably eight years. That, well, since they, okay. you know, I mean, they took the hiatus. So I saw, yeah, I think I saw them. Let me think. Saw them. In, I think I saw them with, well, gosh, it's, I guess this was four times now. Because I think I saw them, American Slang, Handwritten, Get Hurt, and this. Yeah. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. I, I want you to just compare them in your, in the in their recent iteration. Mm-hmm. Same band, right? But yep. in their recent form. Um, compared to all of those other ones, yeah, pre hiatus status. Yeah, so I mean, I remember, I remember taking like a couple of buddies. I think to, I want to, I think it was American Slang, and like same, they had the same situation. They walked over to a merchandise and bought like two albums and two T-shirts each. It was like kind of their induction, mm-hmm. um, and because it was just, I, th- I felt like, I mean, that was to me that kind of that and handwritten. I think were probably their kind of most popular peak. Sure. as far as like kind of more mainstream right that's you know that's what bruce is bringing them out and you know they're you know brian's going on stage with them in london yeah stuff like that that was yeah um so you saw them around you're reading about them around um i remember those the thing i always remembered was 
Brian Fallon, the lead singer, his banter. He was always good about banter from the stage, very conversational. None of it ever felt canned. No, it wasn't anything that was rehearsed. It was literal talking to people in the front row kind of thing or would talk about songs and that sort of thing. What I do remember was the difference was with Get Hurt, um, which was kind of the last record that, again, pretty much I, I think Brian would, would say it's a divorce record. It's that kind of 100%. thing. It's a little bit darker. And and there was the record right before they went on a hiatus and there was none of the banner. They came out, they played, they played great. They sounded great. Show was 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 good but there was none of that and it almost felt like this lost a little of the personality and so going you know i started watching some clips as they reformed and you know they were going to tour again a couple of shows and i'm looking at set lists and everything kind of coming in and for me that was the cool thing again in raleigh about a month ago was you could see the joy again I, that I think they had to be out there again. I think that Brian even mentioned, like, man, you all of you have no idea how much we appreciate you guys. He's like, we were we were gone, and you guys all came back. And um, again, none of it felt rehearsed. That he had some he had some banner with somebody. I mean, I can't even remember how, but it was ended up being almost a running through line through the whole show. And it was like, okay, yeah. that part's back. And that felt like it's like, and that was cool. And you know, I just went and saw Dave Hawes up in Chapel Hill a couple of weeks ago. And small room, it was probably, I don't know, 120 people or so there. And it was designed to be that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, same thing. It was just awesome. It was just such like a unique, I got, it was almost like we got our own show. Um, yeah. And that's what I felt like we got with with, with Gaslight again. Um, I mean, I had, I had a set list up on my phone from like, you know, they had gotten pretty close to similar. And I'm starting, you know, and they opened something different. Next song is something different. And like and six songs in, Brian's like, we're giving y'all a pretty damn good set list tonight. And it was completely <laughs> different from what it was before. It was like, all right, we got our we got our own. And so I think I saw some joy again, which just made me like I, I'm all I'm back in. I'm all in again. So let's go. Yeah, And th those concerts are, are honestly the best when you don't know what's coming up, you know, uh, because yeah, right? the, the big stadium tours are, let's be honest, they're literally down to the minute. Like they know yeah. how long they're going to solo for and smaller bands and smaller intimate venues. Like you said, when you have that experience, when there's a running joke for just that night and you right. know when he goes to Philly or DC or New York, that it's going to be something completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's a real cool intimate thing that you shared with that band that no one else will understand. And, 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 you won't even be able to extrapolate that from a YouTube video or anything, you know? Right. It's, it's that connection, that live music connection that night. Yeah, it, that's that's what makes it special, especially like, yeah, like you said, that size, being able to see those kinds of guys play at, at venues like that is is the most fun thing in the world. And man, I mean, we, we all went a year and a half without any of that. And, right. you know, it's it's so good to have it back. And it's it's so cool to go to the, you know, I've been fortunate, man. I mean, gosh, I, I saw Springsteen twice on this tour too, um, you know, and, and so, you know, just have people all kind of back together again and, you know, we're, we're singing full-throated together uh, in unison. It's cool. It, you know, we, we had lost all of that and it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, no, it, it, it's awesome. And I'm getting to the stage now where my boys are 16 and 13. Yeah. And I'm taking them to concerts. Um, and, and through this podcast, amazingly, I, I've been able to become friends with people in the bands that I that I love yeah. because I do play golf. Um, and to give them these experiences is is 
really special to me because music is such an important part of my life. I'll give you a quick, funny Brian Fallon story. He um, put something up, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago on his personal Instagram account. And it was like, ask me a question type thing. I said, Brian, I run a golf podcast. I need to know if you play golf. Because if you do play golf, you need to be on this golf podcast, right? Yeah. And he messaged me back. He's like, dude, he's like, I'd love to. He's like, I don't know the first thing about golf. He said, I don't do sports, bro. He goes, if it's a music podcast, you know, yeah, we can talk. And I said, Brian, I said, it can be a music podcast. <laughs> it can be whatever you want. You know, and he, he laughed. We went back and forth a little bit after that. And obviously it fizzled out. But, you know, to be that, to me, that's like speak, speaking to Springsteen. That's like speaking right. to Dylan. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's insane. So see that humility and to see that come through during this tour has mm-hmm. been extra special. I've got to ask you as well, because uh, we do have a lot of music people that listen to this podcast. What else are you listening to? Is there anything new that you're listening to nowadays? Any old music that's kind of come back around in rotation for you? Oh, good stuff. Um, let me think. I mean, because I've been on this run of like shows. Um, I mean, I think I went three weeks in a row where I did. I, I saw I saw Springsteen, Light Reaper, Gaslight <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, Anthem, Dave Haas, like all like with it. So I've like been almost revisiting all of those catalogs. That's like, a good run. Back like it was almost like, need to make sure I'm I'm up to speed so I know what's what's being played when it's being played kind of thing. So I've been doing a lot of that the last few months. I mean, it's really been kind of that much lately. Um yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I am right now. I haven't done a whole lot. I haven't really strayed a whole lot from there. So I'm I'm, I'm openly taking recommendations, I guess. <laughs> very cool, very cool. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get you out of here uh on this one team is 27 and 42 and in dead last. The other, team, the, other, the other team is 31 and 37 uh, and second to dead last. I'm yeah. leaving on Monday to fly to London to watch the Cardinals. Play oh, the good. Cardinals. Good for you. Um, I don't know if that's good for me. London's going to be awesome. I'm not sure the game's going to be. Give me a realistic outcome of both of the London series games of your Cubs versus my Cardinals. Man, so here's how I envisioned this happening. Again, <laughs> if thank God for 2016, and I always said I only ask for one. I only ask for one. So I, I truly, I, I shouldn't get as mad as I still do because I only ever ask for one. Um, <laughs> but here's how I envision it, and I, I think you, I think you can appreciate this. I think you know, well, one, well, again, I'm a doomsdayer, so it's like the Cubs will lose. <laughs> How they'll lose them, I think, is probably we'll 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 take a decent lead early because your starting pitching is terrible, um, no. and so but it will but we won't but we won't put the game away because we never get a two out hit or really get you know, ever do much damage with runners in scoring position. So it'll be enough to where somebody gives it up on the back end for the Cubs in the pen in like the eighth or the ninth inning, and the Cardinals will win both like eight to seven. Okay, well it's funny because. If you look back, all of the games outside of the U.S. are very high-scoring games. In Mexico, it's because of elevation. In London, it's because yep. the size of the stadium is just yeah. it's like twice the size of an MLB stadium. So my son, and I'm only taking one because my oldest son has a ton of golf tournaments uh, that he's playing. My, my youngest son said, Dad, you know what? It's probably going to end up being like a one nothing game, both games. <laughs> like, every other game, there's been like 15 to 12. There's been nine right. home runs. And he's like, it's the Cubs and the Cardinals of 2023. It's going to be like a one nothing three-hit game. 
No doubt. No doubt. I mean, yeah, who knows? I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, I, I, I can sit there like, I, I can see the exact worst case scenario and I can see scratching out a win. The hard part this sure. year, like, I'm, you know, and I'm enough of a nerd to be like, look, I'll, I'll read a lot of, you know, um, you know, Joe Posansky and, and, and Rob Nyers of the world for, you know, for like baseball analytics and things. It's like part of me is just holding on to like, you know, they've been so unlucky. Cubs have just been, what, there's something like two and 14 in one run games. They, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's like, yeah, the, the batting average of balls in play should be so much better. It's like, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you know, they're the Cubs. I mean, what, what yeah. are we doing here? So, but, yeah. but, but again, tell you- to show you how doomsday I truly am is like, I'm, I'm completely waiting for the, the Cardinals to go, you know, basically 22 and six in one month and leading the division by the end of it, you know, that kind of thing. So they're, they're never cool. dead. Never dead. You're going to save the tape right here. Time check stamp that. Uh, when that happens and the Cardinals are fighting for the wild card, you know, yep. Alex or division lead at, 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 you know, 81 and 81. So they, they, they might because they're like 16 <laughs> games under 500, only eight back, which is, you know, <laughs> right, astronomical right. how bad the central is. Uh, Alex, look, I again, I know we've been trying to work this out for a while. Yeah, I appreciate um, your patience, man. You've been really yeah. patient with me. Thank you. So that's just, I, this I, was, I, yeah, I for one cannot thank you enough. I'm, you know, truly a, a beyond appreciative, and I, I think you know that. You know, I mean, it's just uh, it, it's been an amazing relationship so far, um, and, and one that I'm truly thankful for. One that this podcast has given me, and uh, you know, again, I can't say enough good words about the resort and, and about you as an individual. Uh, so I thank you for your time. Um, if people want to reach out to you, mm-hmm. how's that going to yeah. happen? Yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's a, a simple DM to Twitter at Pinehurst Resorts, pretty easy. Um, you know, if you want to learn anything about Pinehurst, uh, pinehurst.com, you know, we, we just redesigned the website. Hope you guys like it. Um, we always tell people that we hope pinehurst.com it, it answers all the what and how questions. Um, about Pinehurst and we we hopefully use our social media to tell you why um, why you want to be here why you want to experience all of this um, so yeah just just reach out just follow us anywhere on at Pinehurst Resort whether it's you know for most people I'm sure Instagram and Twitter um, send us a DM we're, we're we're pretty good about responding so we're uh, you know like I said we're we're happy to spread the word and uh, we're, we're eternally grateful for our place in golf and we can't wait to just share more stories. Awesome. And people, obviously, you know, we didn't even get to the new course of parts. We didn't even get to the other <laughs> courses. Save that for a later podcast. I mean, this could have gone six hours easily. <laughs> um, but again, Alex, I thank you so much for your time. Uh, and as always, people, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com. Find them on all forms of social media at Gas House Golf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend $75, $100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it.